0: Howdy, folks! This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've tuned in to listen to this podcast. Hope that you'll continue to listen to future ones. Go back if you've missed some and look over the past. What we're going to talk about today is the congregation of the dead. Oh, what in the world does that mean? What are you going to talk about? It sounds like some kind of hard rock band, right? The congregation of the dead. Well, it's actually a biblical phrase. It's a statement that's made in Scripture that we're going to talk to here in just a few moments. But we're going to to talk about, and kind of as this lesson lays itself out and we look at various Scriptures, we're going to talk about being spiritually dead. Now, there are other ways that death is talked about, obviously, right? Uh, In James 2.26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead is dead also you got two different things they're dead spiritually as well as uh physically the second death the book of revelation in part uh in revelation 2 11 it this is in a context talking about the church in smyrna says he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches he that overcometh shall not be hurt in the second death now the book of revelation is written to seven congregations in Asia. And as you read through that epistle, you'll see the mention of the second death. You, you know, for example, in Revelation 21, 8, it says the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So there, the second death is defined for us as talking about Hell hellfire. There's even when you're looking at the scriptures and you talk about death, there's even the barren womb. And the King James version in Romans 4:19 uh t- says and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So there A- Abraham contextually being talked about and his faith that he had. It's like, hey, he he didn't look at his age nor the fact that his wife was barren, not only past childbearing age, but had not been able to previously conceive and therefore had a dead womb. But being dead is not always a bad thing in the scriptures uh, either, and it can be talked about in various different ways. So when we talk about the congregation of the dead, I mean, are we talking about physical death, spiritual death, the second death, a dead womb, or or the positive? You know, in the book of Romans In chapter 6, verses 3 through 11, Paul is writing to Christians in Rome. He says, "'Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death,' "...we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead..." And here it's talking about to what? Dead to sin, dead in Christ. says, "...is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more." Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 11, it's talking about being dead with Christ, being dead to sin, not being a sinner uh, anymore. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, and it it ties back to chapter 2, if ye ye then be risen. So if you're going to do a Bible study, very good to go back and and read the the whole uh, context, which really you'd want to back up to Colossians 2 and and start reading at verse 1. And I mean, of course, obviously it's written in a letter. Go back to Colossians 1, 1 and read the whole letter. But he says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. This is Colossians 3, 1 where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, then verses 2 through 4, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. So to the saints in Colossae, which, you know, interestingly, uh, when we're reading the book of Colossians mentioned earlier, that the book of Revelation is written to seven churches in Asia. Well, if you look at Revelation 3, 14 through 22, and, and as well as the first chapter, one of those churches is the Laodiceans. Well, Colossae was close enough to Laodicea that in Colossians 4, 16, they were to share letters that were written uh, to one another. So obviously Colossae is in that area as well, but is not talked about And the book of Revelation. Just kind of an interesting little side note uh, that is there. But here, back to our point Romans 6, 3 through 11, and Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Being dead is not always a bad thing. You can be dead with Christ, which means you're apart from the world. In Colossians 2 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? So back in that context of Colossians 3, 1 through 4, just backing up to the previous chapter, if you're dead with Christ, why are you making yourself subjects to worldly ordinances, to the churches of Galatia that had been taken away by a perversion of the gospel so very quickly? Paul says in Galatians 2, and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the idea of being crucified with Jesus, obviously Paul was not physically hung on the cross. In fact, at the time that Jesus was put to death, Paul was a Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin and would have been consenting to his death. Well, how, how do you know that, Brian? Well, he was opposed to the faith. Prior to his conversion in Acts chapter 9. If you back up and you read Acts 7 and through Acts 7 uh, and 8 and to the first four verses of chapter 8, you see that Paul was there consenting unto death of Stephen, who was preaching Christ. So we know Paul would not have been uh, crucified with Christ physically, even had he even if he could have been. He would have, in fact, been one of the Jews standing there and opposing our Lord and Savior. He was kicking against Jesus when we read his conversion in Acts 9. So the congregation of the dead, it's not that simple to define, right? Because we could be talking about physical, spiritual. We talk about second death, dead womb. We could be talking about the good, being dead with Christ, being dead to sin, being dead and apart from the world, being crucified with Christ. So what are we talking about? And where does this wording appear in the King James Version that brought about the, the title and subject of this lesson? Well, there's a dead we don't want to be among. And that's in Proverbs 21 and verse 16, where our lesson is coming from. It says, The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of of the dead so what we're talking about is apostasy someone who walks away wanders away from the way of understanding when we look at the wanderer when we look at the language uh, of that when we look at other verses that use that same hebrew word if you wanted to do a word study it's strong's number 85 82 uh, and you look at other verses and to think about some of those other verses, in Proverbs 10 and verse 17 says, "He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuseth reproof erreth." So think about someone who as a wanderer here in Proverbs 10 and verse 17 as erreth, somebody that errs. In Proverbs 14:22, "Do not they err that devise evil, but mercy and truth." shall be to them that devise good. So we're, we're talking about someone that errs. Don't, don't you find that interesting that the wanderer is someone who errs? I, I know of a great number of people that would say, well, if you err, you have not fallen away. You're still good with God and all these other things that, <laughs> that they would imply uh, from that. But but when you're looking at Proverbs 10:17 and Proverbs 14:22, that's not the conclusion that you come to. That's not what you would be thinking about. That that word that's translated "wandereth" uh, is used there as someone who errs. So think on that. Uh, in fact, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 12 and verse 26 says the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. So the the one who who we're talking about, that wandereth, that Hebrew word in Proverbs 21, verse 16, is translated there in Proverbs 12, in verse 26, as seduceth. So think about the translators, the way that they translated that Hebrew word, or in other uh, proverb, in Proverbs chapter 7, In verse 25 says, Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. There it's translated astray. Same thing in in, in a psalm, for example. In Psalm 119, 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. There it's translated gone astray. So err, gone astray. Psalm 119 and verse 110. Erred is the way that it is translated in the book of Isaiah in Isaiah 9 and verse 16 for the leaders of this people caused them to err and they that led of them are destroyed so as as you go through the old testament and you kind of look at the way it is dissembled in Jeremiah 42 and verse 20 uh, to go astray in Jeremiah 50 and verse 60 or I'm, I'm sorry Jeremiah 50 and verse 6 in Ezekiel 14, 11, it's translated astray. Twice in Ezekiel 44 and verse 10 as went astray. And on you can go. Uh, in Hosea 4 and verse 12, my people ask counsel at their stocks and their staff declareth unto them for the spirit of whoredoms has caused them, caused them to err and they have gone a whoring from under their God. So the wanderer, is the one that errs, that goes out of the way. The definition talks about staggers. And when you're looking at the history of, of you know some of the verses we looked at, like Isaiah and Hosea are both prophets at the same time, the time period of 2 Chronicles 26 through 32, the chapters 26 through 32. The leaders there were causing the error. Idolatry was... Uh, on the rise and and popular among the children of Israel. So they were wanderers. They wandered out of the way. Where'd that put them? Among the congregation of the dead, among people assembled dead. Obviously, it's not talking about physical death or death of the womb. It's definitely not talking about the good death from sin that we have in Christ. Uh, So when we look at that, think about it. When you come to the New Testament, obviously, we're not going to do a Hebrew word study in the New Testament, but in the New Testament, there's a context about false teachers talking about people who are gone astray. I want to give you a little bit of the context, but 2 Peter chapter 2, the whole chapter is just about false teachers and those that follow false doctrine. In that chapter, verses 12 through 22, it says, but these as natural brute beasts... "...made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, spots they are, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, unheart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are, excuse me, gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever, for whom... Whom, or "...for when they speak great swelling words of vanity they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servant of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, the same as he brought in a bondage. For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and have overcome. The later end is worse with them than the beginning." For it had been better for them who have not known the way of righteousness than, after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it's happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the pig that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Think about that. The sow. Mixing it up in the mud. We're talking about here people who have turned from the way... People have turned from the way of righteousness, turned away from the commandment of the Lord, and have gone back to the world. So in the New Testament, we see the same teaching with different words. They've rejoined the congregation of the dead. They've walked away from the way of righteousness, from, from, from life. When you put all that together, the simple Old and New Testament truth is, it's not God's will that His children err ever. In Proverbs 19:27, cease my son to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Think about this application. People out there listening to all kinds of false doctrine. Proverbs 19:27, stop. Stop listening to the things that are going to cause you to err. You know, be careful what you're listening to. And James 1:16, do not err, my beloved brethren. Real simple statements, both Old and New Testament, very clear. So why would one depart out of the way of understanding? Why would they want to? It's like you're in the right way. You're on the right path. Why would you want to deviate? And Proverbs 9 and verse 6 says, forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Why would you want to leave that? Why would you want to walk away from that? Well, because they want another way. Isaiah 65 and verse 2, I've spread out my hands all the day unto rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. Think about that. People who just are rebellious, who say, I don't want to hear it. I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to follow whatever it is that I want to follow. Well, folks... That's the wanderer out of the way. That's the person who errs, who walks away from the ways of God. Or like we mentioned in the book of Isaiah, you know, in Isaiah 3 and verse 12, I don't think that I brought this verse up uh, earlier. We talked about Isaiah 9, 16. Isaiah 3, 12, As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee the error, and destroy the way of thy paths. So you have this mentality where you have people that are just stubborn. They want their own way. They want to do what they want to do. And, and whatever God has to say, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You know? you're going to er going to fall away. I don't care. I want my way. Or they've been led astray. Isaiah 3 and verse 12. Well, what is it there? Somebody who is either of their own choice and free will, rebellious person, doesn't want to do right, or someone's convinced them of something's false. Generally, people will fall into those two categories. I don't like to say always and all the time and things like that, but generally speaking, they're either just the person that wants it their way or somebody's convinced them of a way that is false. Now, the Hebrew word that is translated understanding in Proverbs 21 and verse 16, the verse that we're talking about, remember, the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead and is otherwise translated wise. In Psalm 94, 8, Understand ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when will ye be wise? Or in Proverbs fifteen twenty-four, The way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. Look, look at that, right? If I want to go to heaven, if I, if I want to please God, if I want to be in the way of life, I'm going to have to have some wisdom. I'm going to have some some wisdom. Otherwise, I'm acting foolishly. So put that in the thought process of what we talked about from Isaiah 65-2 and Isaiah 3-12. Somebody who has either said, I want it my way, or someone who has been convinced of something that is false, either way, that person has, has walked away from the way of understanding. They're not wise. It is wise to understand the will of God, in Jeremiah nine verse twelve. Who is the wise man that he may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken that he may declare it? For what the land perisheth and is burned up like a wilderness that none passes through. And Hosea fourteen and verse nine. Who is wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. And then Ephesians 5 in the New Testament, verse 14 through 17, wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It is wise to understand God's will. It is foolish not to. When you put that into Proverbs 21 and verse 16, the man that errs, the man that wanders out of the way of understanding is somebody acting foolish. And because they've acted foolish, well, they're not going to want truth. They're not going to want the right ways. They either want their way or they want to hold on to some doctrine, some idea that man has convinced them that's right. So let's talk about the congregation of the dead the dead in the spiritual sense, when the letter is written to the saints in Ephesus and Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, Paul is writing here to Christians who have been converted. If you wanted to kind of get a little bit of a, a history about the conversion of the people in Ephesus, you'd go back and read Acts 19, 1 through 7. That's when they were taught uh, the right way. They, they had been baptized with the baptism of John. They had been taught the right way and, and properly uh, water baptized into Christ. Well, Paul is writing them. They're already Christians, not telling them how to become Christians, telling people who are already Christians. And, and I want you to think about this wording. Ephesians 2, 1 says, "...and you hath he quickened, that is, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins." "...wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he called us, or wherewith, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ by grace." You are saved. So here we get that clear definition uh, of what we're talking about. The only thing that makes sense in light of Proverbs 21 and verse 16 as people who are in the world that were dead in trespasses and sins, the saints in Ephesus who were formerly in the world. If you're a Christian, that would apply to you. When you were in the world, when you were following the ways of the world, the course of the world, the carnality, that is in the world, you're aliens from Christ. You're outside the kingdom. You were part of the congregation of the dead. Well, what happens if you go back? In 1 Timothy 5's context, talking about widows, verse 6, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. So someone that's physically alive, but is serving the flesh, makes that person spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. The Revelation 3, 1, the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that seven, has the seven spirits of God and seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. Here you have a congregation referred to as being dead. Why? They had a name, they had an existence, but they were dead. They had an identity, but they were dead. So spiritually dead could mean going back to serving the ways of the world, the pleasures of the flesh, allowing the world to be your God, or it could mean alive physically, but not doing anything for the Lord, so therefore dead spiritually. That principle of James 2, 14 through 26, that faith without works is dead, so you could be a people of dead faith. Either way, you're in the congregation of the dead you've walked away from the way of understanding you're assembling with the wrong people you're not assembling with God's people and and you know remember this this isn't talking about physical right there are people that are physically assembling with congregations that are spiritually dead that aren't alive in christ there are congregations here in el paso like that that have a name they have an identity but they're dead both in that they serve the world and they're not working uh, for christ so when we look back to the book of proverbs solomon wrote about wisdom and how wisdom can deliver one from the paths that lead to death in proverbs chapter 2 verses 10 through 20 says, when wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the paths of unrighteousness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they... Word in their paths to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger with flatter with her words, which forsaketh the God of her youth, forgetteth the covenant of her God, for her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take hold of their paths of life, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep paths of the righteous. Wisdom enters your heart, and knowledge is, is pleasant. That was verse 10. What's that do? Then discretion shall preserve you from not following the ways of the world. Here in this context, it's talking about the woman that would lead the man under the paths of death. Well, you got to be wise. Now think about how that fits back to what we were talking about earlier in our lesson in Proverbs 9, 6, to forsake the foolish. If I'm wise... I'm going to forsake the foolish, Proverbs 9 and verse 6 that we talked about uh, earlier. Think about something else here. Kind of change gears here just for just a moment. In Luke 9, 57 through 62, the context really goes into chapter 10. Uh, In fact, here in uh, El Paso, uh, brethren, or stick around uh, after the congregation assembles, and we, we have a Bible class for people that are interested, even after that, where, where I'm teaching through the book of Luke, and right now, we're, we're, we just finished uh, Luke 9, uh, 57 through ten two over the past few weeks, and it's kind of interesting, in Luke nine fifty nine through 60, uh, he said unto another, follow me, but he said, Lord, Suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, "'Let the dead bury their dead, "'but go thou and preach the kingdom of God.'" I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. We had a great discussion when we were discussing this in our Bible class here, but clearly Jesus is making a distinction. With me, you're in the way, (laughs) but if you go back to them, you're in another way. "'Let the dead bury their dead, "'so let the spiritually dead "'bury the physical dead.'" That's not kingdom work. That's not Christ's work. That, that's somebody that's, that's gone in two senses, two groups of people, right? Or a group of people and then a person. Uh, the one group people, the people that are spiritually dead, that are caught, caught up in the carnal things. I want you to think about that. Uh, 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 not too far from my house, there's a cemetery, and, and I always just shake my head as people will be there and they'll be sitting in lawn chairs uh, at this cemetery Supposedly talking to the grave of somebody that that isn't there. Uh, the Bible, like we looked at earlier, James two twenty six. You know, the body without spirit's dead. You go to a cemetery. There's human remains. There's not people there. There are human remains uh, there. But I, I thought about Proverbs twenty one sixteen and Luke nine fifty nine through sixty from time to time as I drive past and witness this, I, growing up, my mother was not a Christian, very far from it. And uh, she would go out and visit the grave of her mother. Then, then after my brother was uh, killed, went out and uh, visited his grave as well. And she'd spend time there talking to them as though there's somebody there. And unfortunately, that, that's the dead in both sense. There's no spirit there. There's, there's no spiritual life in those types of people. It's really a sad statement. It's really sad to think about. But there are people that might as well be physically dead because they are spiritually dead. Now, what happens, though, to kind of change gears a little bit and, and come back to our lesson and think about a good side of this? The dead can be brought back to life. Yes, in the New Testament, in the physical sense, that applied, but that's that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is those that have gone astray, those that have erred, those that have walked back into the congregation of the dead. The good news is hope is not lost. In Matthew 18, 11 through 14, that says, The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them... Be gone astray. Doth he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seek of that which is gone astray? And so be he find it. Verily I say you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Think on that. Think on that. Hmm. Hope is not lost. Jesus came in the world to save the lost, and there in that context, seek and save that which is lost. He's talking about the children of Israel that had walked away from the instructions of God, had had generations of apostasy. I'm I'm here to save them. I'm here to help them come back to the Lord. Uh, In Matthew 121, Joseph is uh, being talked to here. Uh, Angel of the Lord appears to him and says, talking about Mary, she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, let, let's think about even if you have just very limited knowledge of the New Testament, how far out of the way the Jews had gone is that they crucified. Jesus, they let a murderer, a divisive individual, go free that they might kill the only begotten son of God. Have they gone out of the way? Sure. Jesus came even to save them. No matter how far out of the way you've gone, we talked about the apostle Paul earlier, consenting to the death of a faithful teacher of God's word. He too could come back from the congregation of the dead and be joined unto Christ. It's possible because of Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, 21-25, For here even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins, in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, for you were as sheep going astray, but now are returned of the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Peter's talking to Christians, people that had been out of the way, people that had need of salvation. And at the time that he is writing this, they're scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, and other places, Asia, etc he's telling them, you know what? Jesus came, the chief shepherd. He restored you. Even if you've come to Christ, here's another aspect of good news. If you've come to Christ initially and you have fallen back into the congregation of the dead, the good news is you can come back home. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 through 2-2, Says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So if you are in Christ and you fall back into the congregation of the dead, don't deceive yourself. Don't say, I didn't sin. You have to acknowledge your sin. You have to say, I've sinned. You have to confess that sin. And when you're willing to do that, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father. We have Jesus still at work for us. And in addition to that, among faithful brethren, you have their help too. In James 5, 19 and 20, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. You can come back. You can go and you can join yourself to the citizen of the world, right? Parable of the prodigal son, Luke 15, and following. You can walk away from the father's house, but you can come back home. You can come back home. If you have a breath in you, and you'll make it right, you'll bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, you can come back home. That is good news. Whether you've never known Christ, or you have known Him and fallen away, you can come and be part of the Lord's body. You can be part of His family. You can be in the way of understanding rather than the congregation of the dead. So here's a question. Where are you? Where's your citizenship? Mine's in heaven, Philippians 3 and verse 20. But if I if I turn away from that citizenship and I were to go to the congregation of the dead, I can, I can, I know I can come home. Where are you? Proverbs 15, 24 says, the way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. Here again, we're talking about wisdom, right? It's not very wise to be a citizen of the kingdom of the dead, to be among citizenship of the spiritually dead. You don't want to be part of that congregation. And listen, that congregation could go by any name, but if it's not of Christ, it's of the world. Real simple. It's it's either light or darkness. It's not dim. It's either bright or dark. Okay? There's no darkness in God at all. In fact, if you were to back up in First John 1, uh, verses 5 and 6, we looked at uh, chapter 1 and verse 7 through 2 But 2. Well, verse 5 and 6, this then is the message which we have heard of him declaring to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It would say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. The congregation of the dead includes those people that will profess the name of Christ that will claim to be God's children, but in works deny him. Titus 1, verse 16. Examine yourself. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Are you in the way of life or the way of death? If you're in the way of death, congregation of the dead, you brethren that will help you. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said in verse 13, 14, Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads in the life and few there be that find it. Wow. Think about that. Few find the way of life. There are a lot of people that think they're in the way, but they're really <coughs> members of the congregation of the dead. Will you be honest and examine yourself? Is your fellowship with God or the world. And again, remember, the world is just anybody outside of Christ. Even if they claim religious affiliation, even if they say, I'm a member of the Lord's church, or I'm a member of the church of God, or the church of Christ, the church of firstborn, and many other such terms that we see in the Bible, they can profess that they know God, but what do their works say? Titus 1, verse 16, again, right? They profess that they know God, but worse than I being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Where are they? Well, if you're among them, you're among the congregation of the dead. Would you come out? Would you walk away from that? Listen, I'll help you. You can call me up. Area code 915-525-5794. You can email me, brian at wordsoftruth.net. I would rather talk to you though uh, over email, over writing, it's very difficult to get to know somebody. It takes a lot longer. Uh, maybe you're saying, well, I'm, I'm not local or, or nearby. It doesn't matter to me. Let me help you. Let me help you. Do You know, the congregation here in El Paso has multiple members that when I first talked to them, they didn't live anywhere near El Paso. <laughs> then after time, they decided to move here. They obeyed the Lord. They, they wanted to be part of a congregation of the living rather than a congregation of the dead. Uh, let me help you. Let me do what I can to study the Bible with you, answer your questions, whatever it is. We want to bring you out of the congregation of the dead as quickly as possible. You're not without hope. You have Christ. You have help. Examine yourself. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, Tuesday, we're going to have another one. Uh, I think you'll find it very interesting. I won't tease it. I'll just leave it uh, for you to, to subscribe or, or follow in any way that you currently are so that you can listen to it. Thank you so much for your attention. I hope this lesson has been beneficial to you.